0: Good morning, everyone. That video is uh, hits actually pretty close to home with me because it seems like sometimes my approach to money is just, well, what, what's the easiest path and what's the cliche I've heard and you want to apply that and all of a sudden you look at your plan and it's blank and you think, well, I'm not going to mess it up. I'm not going to go against what my budget says because you actually don't have one. And so if if you're anxious or if you're thinking, uh-oh, we're talking about money at church, I just want to set the record straight. Our hope through this message series is not to raise the stress uh, in your life, but to actually give you a biblical perspective of God's view of money and resources and to give you some tools that you can apply to your life. Uh, What we're going to be doing through this series is not focusing kind of like a seminar would on tool after tool that you can use, but really on some biblical perspective that can give you the big picture uh, as you move forward with approaching the money and the budgeting and all the resources that, that God has given you. And so we're really glad that you guys are here and we're really speaking from uh, wanting to take steps together. Uh, finances and the area of budgeting and money is something that I don't think any of us have probably gotten to the place where we can just stop thinking about it and just think that we can just coast and it just kind of takes care of itself. In fact, if you're like me, you start thinking about Christmas and all the things that come with that with buying gifts and traveling. And sometimes Christmas is the time when, you know, you have a plan and then you're like, but it's Christmas. And then January comes and you're like, uh Oh, should have had a plan. You guys ever been there? Kind of Christmas. You just it's like the blanket time of year where, you know, money doesn't matter. You just kind of spend its goodwill. We're singing carols together, right? That's that's what I feel like sometimes. But actually, if we can kind of get on the front end of the right perspective, uh, it can actually help us make better choices. And so that's kind of the angle that we're coming uh, up to. I feel like me, uh, finances can also feel like a like a pressure cooker. Like you wake up and there's something that you're kind of concerned about related to your finances. And you go to bed and there's something that you forgot related to your finances. And during the day, you remember that you didn't do something you were supposed to do related to a bill connected to your finances. And it always seems, at least some of the time in stages of life, that the heat is always turning up. And in the midst of that, you feel like you're getting burned. In the midst of that, you feel like you're just getting cooked with all this thing of just, what do we do with the things that we've been given? And sometimes... You you get blessing, but that can really turn into problematic issues. Because at the midst of the blessing, you have all this responsibility. And so we're going to dig into what do we do with the stuff that we actually have been blessed with. And we all can kind of think that we wish we had more. I don't think any of us would, you know, I wish I had less. That would really be easier. But really, it's what do we do with what we've been given to maximize the impact that God can have uh, through us. And so the title of the series, like Ben mentioned is called money talks and actually money. If you listen in culture and if you listen to the media and you just kind of listen to some of the things that go off in your head, money can talk to us at times. Uh, here's some of the things that, that I've heard money speak to me. Uh, you can never have enough of me. That's what I hear money telling me. Sometimes you can never have enough. I know that that's something that I always think. It seems like right when you get more than you thought you would have, then it seems like, well, that, that's really not, enough of what I need. I need more of that. Some other things that that money says is sign sealed and deliver. I'm yours. Money speaks to us. I'm yours. You spend me however you want. When I hear money talking that to me, you know, I get kind of excited. Like, yes, that's what I want to do. Let's go shopping. Spend me however you want. Or another thing that money can say to us is share me with others after you yourself are covered. Take care of yourself and then you take care of others. That's another thing that that money says. So as I was thinking about kind of the message of money and there's this like economics that we have in our head of what we're supposed to do, what we should do, what we really do. And a lot of times we, we kind of get mixed up in just the cycle of money and the stresses. And Thursday night. Uh, I went trick-or-treating with my, with my kids. And what I realized is trick-or-treating is sometimes like an approach that we have to money. And it's really this incredible concept. If you're a kid, okay, let's just set that straight. If you're a kid, Halloween and trick-or-treating is kind of like the best invention ever because you knock on a complete stranger's door. You don't do anything and they hand you free candy, right? Right. You really don't work for it. Now, maybe you have an uncomfortable costume and maybe your feet hurt from walking from house to house, but ultimately you're not really working for the goods that you get. Right. You knock, you get the heat bars. Sometimes you get the fun size. If you ever get the king size candy bars, you're like, you know, calling your friends if you have a cell phone as a seven year old, but and you're letting them know like the neighborhood, we got a good one over here or, you know, watch out for this one. But there's this thing of, it's just this amazing concept. But what tends to happen is for kids is that they begin to look at are like, well, Wait a second, I, I didn't get two pieces, you got two pieces, and they begin to compare, especially if you have multiple kids, they begin, wait, wait a second, you got dum-dums, but I, I got the Tootsie Pop, and the dum-dums are way better, and they just, there's kind of this cycle of comparison, and the cycle of, well, we want more, and then you want the candy every day, and before you know it, like, there's no food anymore in the house, it's like candy, that's what you live off of. Thursday came, and then Friday arrived, and it's like, wait a second, we eat candy for breakfast? And lunch and dinner. And it's just, it's kind of all turned on the head. And the focus is on candy. Get candy, get candy, get candy. Hey, how are you doing this morning? Get candy. What'd you do? last night? Like, get candy. What are you going to do next year? Get candy. And it's just this thing that goes in the head and it gets a spiral and a spiral. And what I realized is for kids, this is like everything to them. Really? You want me to wear that? I will do it. That means I get the fun size snicker bar. I will put on the monkey outfit. That means I sweat and I lose 10 pounds. I will do it. It's for the Twizzler. And as, you know, adults, you think it's really cute. But what I realized is as you talk about money with adults, a lot of times we have the same mentality that kids have on Halloween. Instead of get candy, because that's odd as an adult, we don't work for candy, right? It's get money. What are you doing? Get money. What are you gonna do next week? Get money, get money, get money, get money. money. And it leads to comparison. You have this and someone else has this and you want that. They get to do this with their money and you wanted to do that. And the same thing that kids battle is they're in this world of candy and the trick or treating becomes the same cycle that we can have with our finances. But with kids, you know, they have the candy and ultimately they're pretty content. They have the sugar high, it wears off and life goes on. But for adults, this thing is very real. It's at the core of everything. Our finances, our money, the pursuit of it. So this issue is something that we can speak in general terms a lot in our life, but it impacts us daily in a very real way. And it impacts us differently, but it has an impact nonetheless. And it doesn't just speak to us money, but it actually can cause real fear in us. It can cause a lot of a lot of stress. Here's some of the fear factors that are related to money and this idea of stuff. Uh, if you don't make enough, you're not good enough. This can lead to a real emptiness. This is a message that is really ingrained in us. If you don't make enough, you're not good enough. And it's really easy to battle that. Another thing that I've been guilty of in my time, if you don't buy this now, you will never have another opportunity. You ever been there? Like it's finally in the sweet spot. You have enough money, what you want, and you can get it. But then the fear is in you. If if I actually live by my budget and I say no now... I may never have that chance ever again. And if you're in sales and you've been trained in sales, you want to kind of leverage this fear that people have. You've got to decide right now because that car is not going to last. No one knows about it but you. You can buy it. You can buy it. You can buy it. And we think, I've got to buy it. I've got to buy it. Get money. Get money. Get money. Get stuff. Get stuff. Get stuff. It can cause real stress because we feel like if we miss the opportunity, we're never going to have it again. Another thing that happens that causes real fear related to money, if, if you don't keep up with what your friends are doing, maybe your friends get the new thing and you have the old thing. It's really easy to compare because you want the new thing, just like the kid who wants the candy. And the last thing is, is this is kind of at the core. How can you change? This is another thing that comes through money and the fears related to it. How can you change? You're, you're in too much of a hole. You can't dig yourself out. You're in too deep. You can't get out. And we listen to these messages. And so some of the ways that it's talked that I've mentioned, some of the ways that it can bring fear, you can kind of silo yourself and feel like you're, you're stuck. There's nothing you can do. Well, I hope over the next few weeks that you'll realize that there is a way for you to climb out of the hole that you may be in related to your resources and finances, your budgeting, your debt, and begin to see the light that is there for you. And so no matter where you are, whether you feel like you have a good traction or you have no traction, the next few weeks, we're going to kind of dig into what the Bible says. And you may be surprised. It's actually very specific that God, God gives us a lot of tools that we can use that really help us. In fact, the Bible also tells us ways that money talks about us, what it shows about what we value. And so I want to dig into that and then we'll, we'll In the Bible, you learn that that financial management is actually a direct correlation. There's a direct reflection of our relationship with God. We tend to think that there's the material life and there's the spiritual life. Well, actually, according to the scriptures, those are not really compartmentalized and they don't ever meet. In fact... The way you view your material possessions and the way you relate with your money and the way you handle the resources you've been given, it's actually directly connected to your spiritual life. That's why it's so important to know what God says, because as God gives us perspective and we apply it to the material world, we either reap blessing or we can reap destruction. But it's only as we live by the guidelines God gives that we can have hope to change and so this is some of the things that the scriptures tell us. Uh, money tells us what we value the most. Uh, if you look at Jesus' teaching again and again as he interacted with people, he always challenged them at the point of what they were doing with the resources they were given. And he was wanting to know where their heart was. He was wanting to know what was really important to them. Not just what they said, but what they, what they did. Uh, money also tells us our, our view of God. And his involvement in our life. If our view of God is he doesn't care what we do with our money. Then we approach our money without really wanting to know what he thinks. Conversely, if we think that God actually is concerned with how we spend our money, then we want to know what God thinks. So there's a direct correlation there. And the Bible also tells us that the money tells us just our view of our role in handling money. Are we a collector? Do we want to collect as much as possible? Like the kid with the trick-or-treat bag that's just trying to gather and gather? Or are we a conduit where we're not just here to gather, but we want to distribute? Are we a spender or are we an investor? Do we want to just spend everything we've been given or actually invest in things that will, will last? So all these things can be told about what we do with our money and how we handle it. So we're going to be kind of talking about, well, where do we go from here? No matter where you are, whether you're a collector or a conduit or a spender or an investor. Where do we go from here? Well, I want to start with some perspective that Jesus gave. As people were, just like us, stressed about where they were going to get their food for the next day and what they were going to do with their their broken down hut that they were staying in and all the things that they were concerned about, he, he gave some perspective to help them. And he said this in Matthew 6, uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you look at your budget and you look at your checking account and you look at your online banking and all the spending, it's like that's a sonogram of your heart. It's showing what you are investing in. If you want to know what you're investing in, you look at how you spend your money. That's the direct connect between the material world and the spiritual world. Because isn't it true? We spend money on what's important to us. Have you ever looked at your account in a given month? And you're like, man, where did it all go? It's getting towards the end of the month and you're like thinking through what you're going to be able to eat. And you're like, where did it all go? And then if you're like me, you look at your checking account sometimes and you see like the Starbucks, Jack in the Box, Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. Oh, that was a tough week. You know, if you have like the three Starbucks visits in a row, you're like, well, that was a tough one. But there's part of Starbucks that's for me, like that's important to me because I need my Starbucks to get going, to get charged, to get ready for the day. That's important to me. If coffee was not important to me, I wouldn't spend money on it, right? It may not be Starbucks to you. It may be like the 99 cent McDonald's large soda, maybe clothes, maybe something for your car. But there's stuff that we only spend on things that are important to us, right? We work hard for our money. We don't frivolously give it away. And so where we spend our money, our checking account, what we do, our banking, you know, you see it's a sonogram of your heart. It sees what, what's really important, where you put your money into. Following the, the scriptures I just read about this idea of don't invest and don't store things where it's going to be destroyed. It's really talking about don't invest in materialism. If you invest in materialism, you'll be disappointed. This is what Jesus is saying. It deteriorates. It doesn't last. Your clothes that you spend a lot of money on, they're going to get holes in it. The food at the restaurant, you're going to eat it and then it's done. The car that you get, you know, it's not going to last. It's not going to look as pretty as it was. So materialism, it just deteriorates over time. Following this perspective, he he gives some more ideas to help. He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now you're thinking, wait a second, he's talking about money and treasure. And all of a sudden he goes into this idea the eye is the lens to the body. What, 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 is that? what does that mean? It's the idea of the perspective that you have is your lens. What you see is important. What you see is real. What you see is valuable. That's your perspective. That's the lenses that you put on. It's basically, if, if your lenses, if you ever had a pair of sunglasses that you really like and you drop them and it gets a scratch on it and you look and it—see everywhere you look, you can see that scratch and it just drives you nuts. And You try to rub it and it's still there and, and it's just, it's blurred your vision. You can't see clearly. That's what it's saying here. If you don't have a clear perspective on what's right with how to spend your money and how to earn your money and how to invest your money and how to distribute the money you've been given, then Your whole perspective is off. You need to start with the right lens. You need to start with the right perspective. And here's the truth that we all have to deal with. Most of our money problems, most, grow out of bad financial decisions that are the result of a distorted perspective. We don't make decisions usually in a vacuum. Where all of a sudden we just decide to splurge in an area and we think, what did I just do? No, we make decisions most of the time because of the lenses that we have on, the perspective that we have. Whether it's fueled by materialism, whether it just feels like you know I've been waiting for this a long time, now I'm going to get it. That's fueled by your perspective. If you want something, you get it. You don't have to wait. You get it. You get it. But a lot of the problems that we face, and I know for myself personally, when I've been in just situations where I've regretted just a decision I made with my finances, is because I had the wrong perspective at the point where I made the decision. I had a scratch. I had a smudge and I I couldn't see clearly. And so what we want to do through this series, and actually as we talk about what the Bible says, it's really a way of get the little moisture on the glass and you get the towel that kind of cleans it. Then, as you hold it up to the light, you can see clearly. That's what the Bible does. The Bible serves as a cleanser of our lens of a, Way to get the right perspective. And so when we talk about what the Bible says, it's really our way of saying, you know, we have a lot of different views. And we all have different lenses of what's important to us. What's really important, though, if we do think God is involved in the world and God is involved in our life, it's really important to know what's the lens that God wants us to have. And so I encourage you, if if you are not into reading the Bible, or you've just kind of started reading the Bible and trying to figure out what the Bible has to say, reading the Bible is one of the most important steps that you can take in your life to figure out how to have the right perspective. Ultimately, it starts when you decide to follow Christ, because you want to know, once you follow Christ, what He has to say about things. As you follow Him, He becomes your boss. You want to know what the boss says. So as you read the Bible, you're discovering how God works and it's cleaning up the lens of your life, the way you see things. And so if you are interested in learning how to read the Bible and how to get the most out of what the scriptures say, and and you've never done that before, uh, in Christian terms, a lot of times we, we call that like having a quiet time and you've heard that term and you may have never even known what that is or how to do it. But if you're interested in learning how to read the scriptures in your own life, I encourage you, there's a place that you can mark on your connection card today where you could get some coaching. We call them encouraging conversations. If you'd just like some encouragement from somebody who has experience in reading the scriptures, and maybe this issue of the Bible, you really would like to know more about what Jesus has to say, and you're not sure how to discover that, uh, we want to help you. And so as we walk through the next steps today, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but wanted to give you a heads up. You can mark whether you'd like to meet with somebody one-on-one, or if you'd like to meet with somebody in a one-time small group, we want to give you help. A lot of the time, what we talk about here and now gives you a lot of tools that you can use, but you may not know how to translate that or apply that into your life. And so, if you would just like coaching, we all need coaching on the basics of life, just like in any sport. We want to help you with that. And so I encourage you, mark that on your connection card today, and we'll get someone uh, in touch with you. Because what i found is, as you talk about things like this related to finances it's crucial to know how the Bible cleans our lens so we can see clearly. And so we, we want to help you with that. So let's dig in. What, what are some of the Bible's perspective on money? If it's true that we don't want to invest in things that, that deteriorate or pass away, we actually want to invest in things that last, what, what does that mean for us? And so I want to walk briefly through the Bible's perspective on money. Here's, here's just an essential truth. That really if you live by kind of turns things upside down and that is god is the owner who gives this is the role that he plays in the world he is the owner who gives it's this idea that, that god sees everything he knows everything and he is in complete control and scripture repeatedly declares this truth of god is the owner of all things check out deuteronomy 10 14 it says behold To the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. There's this idea that you have the heavens, you have the earth, and then you have all that's in it. It's just this everything. Everything belongs to God. And so when we talk about finances and we talk about money, that fits in this. He's the owner. It all belongs to him so we find this, this scripture, this is like the truth in the beginning of the Bible, in the first five books of the Bible. Later in the old Testament, uh, David declares this. He says this, yours, O Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Now that's just one of those like power pack statements. He's just saying, God, you're the owner and you're great. You're powerful. You're victorious. Nothing can escape you. You have majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. You're the owner. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. You're overall. You're the owner of all. Both riches and honor come from you. That is an amazing perspective. Riches and honor come from you, they come from God. He doesn't draw a line between God's world and our world, God is involved, He's in our midst. He sees what's going on. He blesses. And you rule over all in your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. So he's not just the owner who wants to control and he's pulling the strings on your life. He's not the owner that's micromanaging everything. You have freedom. You have independence. We each have to choose. What do we do knowing that he is the owner? Do we recognize it? Or do we want to be the owner? That's the key choice we each have to make. So he's not pulling the strings and we're just kind of puppets for him to use. But rather, we have to decide do we believe that blessing and riches and honor actually do flow from his hand? Or do they flow from me? We each have to decide. Do they come from him or do they come from me? So it's a really important perspective. And he at the end of that verse, it says "and it is to make great and to give strength to all. That's how he gives. He gives strength to all in the New Testament. You you find similar perspective. First, Timothy six, 17 says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Okay, you see the same perspective on materialism instead of on riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So here's the, the, the pattern you see in Scripture. God is the owner who gives. And really, the idea of giving, it's, it's actually, he, he wants to bless. He wants to bless you in this area. In a time where you think everyone is for your money, and everyone wants to take away, and everyone wants to control you, God actually wants you to experience freedom that you've never experienced before. But that can only happen as we allow and realize God is the owner. We have to decide that we will place him in his rightful place in our life, in the decisions that we make, not just in finances, but, but in everything, It's this idea, he is the head overall. And so we want to be concerned with what he says. We want to be concerned with what he values. And so God is the owner of who gives very crucial as you deal with your paycheck and all that you have again and again will be challenged with that because here's the thing when you get a paycheck whose name is on it? Yours, right? And when you have a checking account whose name is on the checking account? It's yours If it's not your name, you're concerned Right? Identity theft Uh Uh-oh, that's not me but it's yours, so what we have is these mixed messages. We have a paycheck that's written to us, we have bank, bank accounts that are written in our name. And ultimately, that has to happen because we are been given those resources. But in our hearts, what we have to realize is just because the paycheck is in my name, am I the only one that calls the shots on how this is to be used? So this just challenges us at our core. Do we really re- recognize it? God is the owner of everything we've been given. And that kind of leads to the next idea. So if God is the owner who gives, then then what are we? Well, we are stewards and conduits. That's our role. Really, the idea of if God is the owner, then we are the managers. And whatever God has given us, we want to manage in a way that pleases the owner. We don't call the shots, the owner calls the shots, and we want to manage it in a way that lines up with how he wants us to use the resources. The scriptures classify what a steward should be, 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. If you're an owner, you want somebody who's going to manage your things in a way that's going to maximize How things are used. So if you you own a building, you're going to want to make sure that the landlord that's managing this is taking care of things. They're doing all that they should do to make sure that the property is taken care of, that the people that are living there are safe. And it's the same this idea of our resources. God has given us a role to play. And if we're faithful with it, he is pleased. We actually make God happy with how we handle what we've been given. So steward, steward is you're managing someone else's property, someone else's stuff, someone else's resources. A conduit, you're actually working as a distributor. A conduit doesn't store, it actually sends. And that's the same with our resources. We don't want to be somebody who just hoards what we've been given. But a conduit takes it and distributes it. Where? Where the owner wants it to go. You take it, you distribute it. Where? Where the owner wants it to go. So our steward is always wanting to send it and distribute it, distribute it where the owner wants it to go. And so it's, it's crucial. Now, there's another part of this idea of ownership. If you are a follower of Christ, if you've committed your life to follow Him, and He calls the shots in your life, there's actually a part of this ownership which, which runs even deeper. Uh, He has actually made payment for your sins. Relationship that he has with you as really one that that he he owns every part of your life. That's what it means to commit your life to him. And First Corinthians six says this: it says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God?" So there's this idea of we sometimes deal with okay, God's the manager. Okay, how does that impact me? And you just kind of think, well, I'll just kind of do my own thing, but. Really, the scriptures is even pulling that even further. It's this idea of if you're a follower of Christ, your life is his. Your life is his. Now, again, he's not just pulling the strings. You have free will. That's why sometimes following Christ, it's such a a battle. But first Corinthians saying your body, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where I want to live. I want to live within you. Whom you have from God and then switches gears. You are not your own. Huh? Can you believe that? That is so easy to say, but this idea of you are not your own. That just challenges every part of me at my core. You are not your own. Why? For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This idea of the price is Jesus When he died on the cross to pay for our sin, to pay for our independence, to show us the way that we can connect back to God despite the sin and mistakes that we've done. We now have said, Jesus, I will do life your way. I will follow you. So in this context, it's really talking about this idea of what you do with your body, what you do with your freedom. But it trickles down into everything, what you do with your money, what you do your savings, what you do with your spending, what you do with your budgeting. And So this is just a challenge to us that we have to wrestle with all the days of our life. But the good news is God is so gracious. And if you're taking kind of this survey and you're looking at this the scriptures and this idea of ownership and managing and conduit and stewardship, it can be overwhelming again and this isn't supposed to be stressful. But more, what's your view right now? As you look at kind of your spending and you look at what you're doing with the resources you've been given, where are you right now? And you can only start where you are. And so I encourage you to fight the discouragement and maybe the confusion and maybe just the overwhelmingness that can come as you try to think to how to get traction in your money. And just think, well, where where are, where am I? And if you're married, where are we? And how does it align with this? And so it begs some questions. What, what kind of managers have we been? If God is truly the owner, then, then how have I managed it? Uh, ha- have we been faithful and trustworthy? Like it's required as a steward. Or have I been passive? Have I been selfish? Have I just kind of put off the budgeting like the blank paper that we saw on the video? Blank papers are usually my favorite type of budgeting. Freedom. Right. What are you going to spend? I don't know. I, you know I, it's really hard when you start like looking at all the details and like budgeting, depending on how you're wired, budgeting could be like your favorite thing. I'm not going to divide the room like budgeters. You sit over here, non-budgeters here. But, you know, there's just different pl- people just based on your wiring. I'm kind of in the like, let's feel it. And then I'm like, why did I do that when I don't have any more money? But in the moment, it's like, let's feel it, you know, like it's lunchtime. Let's go out to eat. And if you're the budget, like, no, we went out to eat yesterday. But today is today, you know. So we all have different perspectives and there's tension points that we have. But ultimately, you can only start where you are. And as you begin to recognize when you start with the big idea, well, if God is really the owner. What does that mean? And maybe even bigger than that, maybe you're not even ready to think about finances yet, but just this idea of, is God really the owner? Is he in control like that? Does he see what's going on? And so I encourage you, don't skip over this stuff. You have have to wrestle with this, okay? So as you do that, and as you decide, okay, I want to do what Jesus says. I want to invest in the things that last, and I want to do this the way the Bible says. It actually. Again, your lens, it actually shifts what you see through. And instead of asking questions like, how much can I, how much can I get? How much can I save? How much can I buy? You actually ask a different question, which is, Lord, how much would you like me to invest your money today? How much would you like me to help with this need? How much would you like me to bless this person? How much would you like me to deal with? with these debts that I have. And so instead of kind of, what can I get away with? It actually shifts into what, what would you like me to do? And that's very different. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of dig more into if this principle and this idea of God being owner is true and we are managers, then how do we manage it in a way that pleases the owner? So it kind of starts here. We each have to decide our view of God in our life and in the world. And I encourage you to wrestle with that. But as you do, the next few weeks are going to flow from that perspective. If you'd like to get some just more help in this area and you're thinking, okay, some of this stuff I'm, I'm tracking, some of this stuff I've never heard before and you just like to get more resources, there's a couple books that you could start. And we'll probably throughout this series give other resources, but there's two books that you could start start with that just can help you with your perspective. The first is, Uh, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. You'll see it there on the screen. Uh, It actually deals heavily on perspective. So again, it's dealing with the lens, how you see, how you see your money. And so if you've never read that book, I encourage you that's helpful. Uh, The second book that you could check out if you'd like, uh, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Uh, That could give you a little bit more specific, practical help. And so you may, if that's where you're at right now, you may want to get that. And so those are two of the resources. Uh, there's plenty of people within Church of the Valley that have actually gotten real traction in their life as it relates to their money and their finances. And so if you have a friend that you're here with, a friend that you know, you could ask them. And I know they'd be willing to help as well. There's a couple opportunities that we're going to have as well coming up in the new year. And in the new year, a lot of times you may think, well, this year's shot. It's going to be Christmas. I'm not ready to change yet. I've got issues I've already got to deal with related to gifts and debt and all that credit card stuff. But, you know, a lot of times in January, you're like, OK, let's start again, start anew. And so we've got a couple things I want to let you know about. Uh, we're going to be offering a, a finance seminar here uh, for the Alhambra campus just to give you kind of a time to get in a longer period where you can kind of learn the steps that you can take to experience freedom in your finances. And so uh, I encourage you to to think through that, whether you'd be willing to be a part of that. I, I think it'd be a real help to you. And in the, the new year as well, beginning in February, we're also going to have some uh, financial peace university groups, which are actually small groups where you're going to be working through material to deal with not only things that you need to do differently, maybe habits, but also your heart and maybe some perspective that you have. And you could do that with a group of people who are wanting to get traction as well. And so, Those are going to be offered, and that's open for any of you who are interested. And so what we're doing right now is on the back of the connection card, why don't you pull that out as I wrap up here, and you can mark on there some next steps. I've mentioned a couple of them, uh, but why don't I walk through that as the band comes up, and after I'm done, we're going to be receiving our our offering. But here's a few things that you can do uh, as you leave here today. Uh, We try to give you just some practical uh, steps that you can take that you can apply into your life this week the first is to memorize deuteronomy 10:14. Uh, that's just that scripture you read about god being the owner uh, you may want to attend the rest of this series and i encourage you to do that just commit to being here the next few weeks and then the last two are related to what i just spoke about Uh, If you're interested in the finance seminar, it'd be a help to us if you could mark that, that you're considering attending. That can let us know of the interest level and where we need to have it based on that. And then the last one is uh, to consider joining a Financial Peace University group as well. And these are going to be committed groups where you'll have some homework to do, but I assure you the homework that you do will actually be a benefit to you, not just a chore that you have to get through. And so if you're interested in that, uh, you can mark that as well. And that lets us know. Uh, how many groups that we need to begin to to offer when those come around. And so those are a few of the next steps. I encourage you to complete uh, filling out that connection card. As soon as I'm done here, we're going to sing back to God and then receive our offering. And you can drop that connection card in there. Why don't we pray together? God, thank you for the fact that you are involved in the world. You're involved in the events. You're involved in history you're involved in the future and you're involved right now and you're a god that doesn't want to control us or treat us like puppets but you actually want to have a relationship with us and as we do life your way we actually have hope and i know as we talk about money it's so easy to be stressed out and to be overwhelmed and even at times just apathetic Because it's just another talk about something That feels like we have a little control over And so God I ask that You'll help us to begin to look And see just any area in our life That we haven't given over to you If there's anything that we're just holding on to And we're trying to be the owner of I I pray God that you'll show us Because we want to put you in the rightful place in our life Uh, We want to put you Really in the driver's seat In control And so I, I ask God that you'll You'll help us to see if there's anything that's kind of in the way of that happening. So God, give us your strength as we begin to move forward. In the name of Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.